Welcome to MuggleCast episode 600, your weekly ride for the 600th time into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. This week, we are sharing our thoughts on Hogwarts Legacy. And to help us with today's discussion, we have back one of the OG hosts of MuggleCast from episode one and beyond, Kevin. Welcome back, Kevin. Thank you. I'm excited. It's been a while. It has. We started podcasting together 18 years ago this August. To still be able to have you on is is really awesome. How have you been? How are you doing? Uh, doing very well. Um, yeah. Enjoying enjoying uh, working and life. Yeah. Some of the earliest jokes on the show involving Kevin were that he was uh, backwards compatible with various Windows operating systems, and you were a Windows fan. You've you've seen the light though. You've turned to the dark side. I have, yes. Kevin, no. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a programmer, so if you're using anything but Mac, um, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> wow. Okay. This is such a 180 from yeah. the Kevin I remember from the early days of Cats. <laughs> Not my Kevin. <laughs> this is the Kevin I've wanted all along, the Macintosh Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Role model Kevin. Uh, I just looked this up. I think, Kevin, the last episode of MuggleCast we had you on was the one where we ended the show. Yes. In, <laughs> near, oh, nearly, yeah. two, nearly 250 <laughs> episodes ago, almost, episode 269. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was, we actually had, so Jamie and Laura sent messages, but you were on as a host on that one. Yep. Uh, and yeah, congratulations. Welcome back. We didn't end. After, <laughs> we, we told you we ended, but we actually just kept going. I've gathered that, yeah. That was just our way of getting you back. Yeah, something <laughs> told me that uh, you didn't end. I don't know why. Um this is episode, what, 600? 600. <laughs> 600. I look at the title in the doc and I can't believe it. I can't believe that milestone. But So I did the, ma- I did the math wrong. It was over 350 episodes ago. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, whether you've been listening since Kevin, Ben, and I did episode one or you just started last week, we really appreciate everybody's support over the years. And here's to the next 600. And we just... I mean, the timing worked out well. We just finished reading Chamber of Secrets last week, and we'll get started on Prisoner of Azkaban in a couple weeks in our chapter-by-chapter series. But for now, we're going to take a little break and talk about Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, actually, Kevin, so when we have guests on these days, we ask them for their fandom ID. And just so people can quickly get to know you in terms of what interests you in the Harry Potter fandom, what is your favorite Hogwarts house, your favorite book, and your favorite movie? I think favorite book is Prisoner of Azkaban. Hogwarts house is Probably Ravenclaw. Favorite movie? Probably Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, nice. nice. One of those rare folk who can tolerate all the changes. Just or... Changes, yes. Yeah. Hey, it's a great movie. Also, I just want to it observe is. three Ravenclaws on the panel today. Well, I don't know. Is Micah still a Ravenclaw? Because he totally <laughs> has been sort of leaning towards Slytherin lately. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to We're find about out. to call that out. <laughs> yeah. Where did he get sorted in Hogwarts Legacy? I guess we'll find out. Well, anyway, great to have you, Kevin. Thanks so much for being on. And before we get into today's review of Hogwarts Legacy, we want to acknowledge the conflict many in the fandom feel about supporting this game. Yeah, the Wizarding World fandom has been through very challenging times in recent years. And like many of you, our listeners, we've navigated an increasingly complicated landscape and have thought about what it means to be both a fan and an ally. 
From the early stages of its development, Hogwarts Legacy has been a hotbed of controversy, which has stemmed largely from the uncertainty in the community of J.K. Rowling's involvement in the game. And as we've stated many times on this show, we do not agree with J.K. Rowling's harmful views on trans people. We are continuously disappointed that the creator of The Wizarding World expresses these views. Her views are very much her own and do not reflect those of any member of this podcast. We have played Hogwarts Legacy, and we've mostly loved it, and we know that talking about it is what our listeners expect from us. And we are continuing to provide the escape into the Wizarding World that we promise everyone. With that said, for listeners who want to enjoy the game but feel conflicted about purchasing it, we recommend used copies of the game, which are often available very soon after release. Having played the game... Now, uh, we feel that a lot of things contained with it align with our view of what the Wizarding World should be, namely in its diversity and the sense of wonderment it recaptures from our youth. Candidly, we know not everyone will like that we're talking about the game, but we believe that everyone who found an escape and a home at Hogwarts should continue to do so if that's what their heart is telling them. It's a deeply personal decision, and it should not be solely decided by whatever you're reading on social media. And we encourage those who feel conflicted to join us in supporting organizations like Trans Lifeline, Lambda Legal, Trevor Project, Transgender Law Center, and the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. We've spoken behind the scenes for a while about the approach we hope will have the greatest impact, and that is continuing to financially and vocally support the organizations that support trans people, while also celebrating and honoring a world that has shaped who we and so many others are as people. We did spend quite a bit of time talking about why we disagree with J.K. Rowling on previous episodes. Go ahead and check out episode 469, as well as another shorter episode from January of 2020 for more info. We'll be sure to put links to these in the show notes. Ultimately, we are really excited for the potential of Hogwarts Legacy to attract and expand on an accepting, inclusive fandom, which we'll touch on a little bit today. We love this community, and we are so glad to be a part of it despite its challenges. So with that all said... Before we jump into this review, just for anybody who might be wondering, you might be wondering if we're going to be spoiling the game today. And our goal is no major spoilers, maybe some minor bits here and there, but this game is huge. So our goal today is to talk about why we love it and we'll be criticizing it here and there. And we're also going to make sure that playing the game remains an exciting experience for anyone, whether or not you've played it already. And we haven't finished the game. I think... No way. Eric is furthest. Probably. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Look, I, it's, I mean, it just came out recently. I, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, I've been battling COVID the last couple of days, and I haven't had enough hours in the day to be able to go through and finish the game yet. So yeah. th- that, that should give you an idea. Mm. Did you try mm. any of the many spells that you wield in the game to get rid of your COVID, Kevin? Or uh, Micah. See, already, you can't tell the difference between the two of us. <laughs> it's the New York accent. I tried uh, Evanesco. It didn't work. Evanesco didn't work? Darn, darn. You got to flipendo it out. Mike and I did share some brief reviews a few weeks ago. So let's start with Laura, Eric, and Kevin, who hasn't actually played it, but he's been watching uh, Twitch I have played it now. So ha- yes. Oh, you have? Yeah, oh, I sweet. downloaded it last night, and I was playing 
it's why I'm a little fuzzy today because I was playing way too long. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all in the same boat there. I have to say I'm pleasantly surprised by this game. Um, I don't think it's a shock to most people listening that I haven't been crazy about the more recent entries into the Wizarding World franchise. Didn't love Cursed Child. Liked the first Fantastic Beasts movie. The other two were not great. Um, But this is definitely a big step in the right direction, just in terms of the attention to detail and the fact that it's so clear that the people who worked on this are fans and they get it. And there is so much that is done in this game that is emblematic of the Wizarding World that any Harry Potter fan, whether you're a casual fan or a hardcore fan, would recognize. And as a fan, it just makes me feel really appreciated for the first time in a while by this franchise, if I'm being completely honest. So I'm pretty excited about it. That's uh, that's well worded. I will go and say also pleasantly surprised here. And there's a lot of elements that I was not expecting Uh, for them to have brought into Hogwarts Legacy from previous games, like way back to the original sort of Sorcerer's Stone Chamber of Secrets games, um, where you're first learning a spell and you have to do kind of the shape of the spell. Things like that uh, are just little callbacks to the entire history of Harry Potter video games. And they didn't have to do that. But the sort of tilt of the head, little nod backwards, um, ultimately makes this game as nostalgic as we are in playing it. See, for me, it feels like Skyrim. Yep. Ooh. <laughs> uh, like I started playing, and immediately, um, like the tracing of the spells, um, runes in Skyrim, um, it very much felt like a Skyrim game. Um, open world, just a different story. Um, I do appreciate the story and it, it obviously they put a lot of work into building the universe. Um, but at the end of the day, it really feels like Skyrim to me, um, which is a bottomless bucket of just exploring around the world. That's what I was looking forward to most. Hogwarts is still breathtaking. You cannot believe how big it is. It took me 18 hours to get into the Great Hall. I thought you couldn't get in there until Eric made like a passing comment when we were talking last week. He was like, oh yeah, you can get into the Great Hall or something like that. And then later that night, I went back into the game and I started actually looking for it. I was like, oh, that's so funny that like I didn't accidentally stumble upon the Great Hall until I went looking for it. And I think that really speaks to just how big the game is. And then you go into something like the Great Hall and you're like, oh my God, this is really amazing. Seeing the points in the um in the time in the you know I don't know what yeah. you would call those would be hourglasses the vials yeah. Uh, yeah hourglasses type things yeah um looking up to the ceiling and seeing the night sky is just it's all so breathtaking and like Kevin was saying exploring is really really fun and collecting things yeah so yeah I I continue to really enjoy it I, I think. You know, one of the things we'd always talk about with the Lego Harry Potter games is that they were clearly developed by fans. And I think you can definitely say that about this game too, because there are so many of those little intricacies. And I know we're going to talk about some of those a little bit later on, but just those little touches that are made by the game developers of things that are in there that are strictly for Harry Potter fans. I would say more so book fans than 
movie fans. Uh, it's just, they did a tremendous job and they really should be applauded for it. Yeah. And unlike the Lego games where the levels are sort of restrictive, you can only go one direction. This open worldness is a game changer. Uh, and really just there's, there's nowhere you can see where you can't fly to. Uh, it's really, 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 really it's, cool. Uh, it's an experiment you do in Skyrim, which is you run in one direction and see how far you can go. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Um, because it, it's so open world. It's like thousands of miles in every direction. I'm resisting reaching out too far into the map. Like I'm really trying to take my time with each area. Like I look at unexplored areas on the world map and I'm like, oh, I really hope I don't have to go there for a really, really long time just because I want to spend as much time as possible playing this game and getting the enjoyment, the discovery factor out of mm. it. I felt the same way with Horizon Forbidden West and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's just like there's by not exploring and I try to, but by not exploring as far as you can, you leave more to look forward to. Mm. So maybe that's why I think. I've played the least amount. I've been traveling the last few days, so I haven't touched it in a few days. So what percentage completion are we? Do we do we know our percents? I think like 24%. I'm pretty low. I'm like 10. I'm at 41%. I think like the high 20s, something like that. Okay, uh, I'm 79%. <laughs> Eric's almost done. <laughs> Eric is like, I, I've explored the whole world. <laughs> I don't want it to be over. Well, that's the Where's thing. Where's the is DLC? Like you, you can reach you can reach the the further ends of the map like you're saying uh and still like they'll add an element that ha has points and things to do all around the areas you've already explored so it does keep like renewing or keeps getting fresh or you'll have a mission sometimes it's better like i just took my broom and i flew as far south as i could the south is like the biggest direction you can head in in this game uh and i was glad i did because I ended up getting to some fast travel points that later I had a mission and I was like, where the heck is this? It's way outside. Oh, wait, I've already been down there. I can just fast travel. Good stuff. Um, but something like a good sunset and you're on your broom when you get brooms in the game. And it's just yeah. like, I want to drive, fly right to it. Yeah. You know what this game really needs? And I, I'm sure they're going to add this at some point. It needs like a camera mode where like, yeah, you can take a screenshot of your television screen through your video game console or on PC, but you need to be able to see through your character's eyes and take a picture. A lot of games yeah. have this because to Eric's point, there's these beautiful vistas, the sunrise, the sunset, you get on a cliff overlooking Hogwarts, you're like flying along the water. It's beautiful, but there's no way to capture a good picture of that with all the extra stuff on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's actually shocking. It doesn't have a photo mode built in just because like you said, like Horizon, all of them have it. I'm honestly not surprised by that. Though. really um yeah because i mean you're a game developer you're pushing to release a game oh it's a lower priority yeah correct the tertiary uh features are you know you don't want to hold up the game for a camera mode and to that point i think horizon forbidden west did release the camera mode in a subsequent update they did yeah uh, i believe okay. so. yeah. there you go yeah so they're prioritizing. They'll get there eventually. Yeah. I, they're like, okay, it was successful. Now we can actually like do the things we wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, it's fun because you can watch your avatar like in photo mode. You can have them be visible or invisible, but they could also do like selfies and they'll go, yeah. uh, you know, kind of do like the things. And you know, in this game, they would add like a niffler in the background. You would have like, oh all these yeah, 
you know, there would be a lot of fun little touches. So, okay. Casting a spell pose type thing. Yeah. So now I hope, now I hope that that is something that they add later. But my, my biggest question, uh, because I know what I've been doing, are you guys playing as yourselves? Is what I don't think was publicized uh, about Hogwarts Legacy is you could, it's not that your character or your student has a name. Uh, and depending on what gender you choose for the character, it's one of two names or anything. Your name is completely right inable. Uh, and I was not expecting this. Me neither. But, I wish they prepared yeah. me because then I got to this. I'm like, oh, dang, what do I do? I initially had Albus Scorbus, but then I realized that was <laughs> redundant. So I decided to go for Andrew Scorbus. So I am using my real name, but also my ship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm using what I use online, which is Lao T, just like shortened version of my name. Lao T. Okay. I'm using uh, Phileas Robus. Ooh. Oh, cool. <laughs> I like that. You got really into like Harry Potterness. Yeah, I figured like when in Rome, might as well. <laughs> there you go. I uh yeah. I kept my first name, so I went with Micah, but then added on to Lestrange. Just you know, maybe oh, that's what wow. pushed it in, in the direction of Slytherin when I was sorted. Micah Lestrange. <sighs> maybe that's a little Easter egg. If you type in like an evil wizard maybe. name, it'll it'll put you in uh it'll think about putting you in Slytherin. That's interesting. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. No, my um. So I didn't go with my name at all. I knew I wanted to play as a witch actually uh, for this game. And you know, Harry Potter is such a a boys' club. You get Harry Potter, Dumbledore, Newt Scamander. I figured I'm gonna make this legacy about a young Hufflepuff witch. And I'm surprised the game let me get away with this. But I named her Eleanor Rigby. Oh, fun! Uh, <laughs> just classic. So it was like that. Sounds like it could be 1800s uh, name. So. Yeah, uh, that was what I did, but I didn't. Yeah, no trace of Eric in there. I went for like, uh, I he doesn't really look like me. He has like Newt Scamander style hair, though. He's a good looking wizard. I want to be him. If you do say so. Yeah, I want to be Andrew Scorbus. I have blue hair, actually, Laura. Oh, really? I have blue hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it lets you totally customize the characters. So I gave they didn't have quite blue hair so i gave her purple hair it's close enough does your character i mean obviously everybody's different but i feel like my character sounds a lot like dan radcliffe yes <laughs> i thought that too pat also thought that we're wondering if they purposely picked that voice actor because he sounds like dan radcliffe slash harry potter because it is very close you know what's so interesting about that is you can also so in addition to choosing um, the voice actor uh, being more of a femme or more of a mask uh, voice, you can also change the pitch mm-hmm. of that voice. And this is such an interesting feature because you can slide the pitch either down to or up to depending on what fits your character the most. And it's still the same voice actor, but they've adjusted the pitch even more. So I chose, I think. For the female voice, the the one lower option. Um, I think you can hear, I guess in editors would call it like um, artifacts. I think you can hear a little bit more of like a, like a, um, I don't know, it's something in the in speech just tell it slowed. So I'm glad I didn't go yeah. one lower. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a really neat feature because the customizability is is endless. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. In terms of the game living up to expectations, I continue, like I said earlier, to really enjoy it. One of the first things I felt about the game is the castle and the Wizarding World is just alive. 
they really did run the risk of this game being flat and not feeling whimsical. It Mm -hmm. feels like the first two Harry Potter movies to me in that there's magic everywhere. You're overhearing students talking about what's going on in their daily wizarding lives. I like I mentioned, I think a couple weeks ago, I heard a passing mention to Ilvermorny, which was pretty exciting. And that made me feel like, oh, that is there, there are real fans working on the game like they they thought to include little things like that. I'll just say too, like this game really was what I wanted in terms of scope because they couldn't make a fully free roaming Hogwarts in the early years when Harry Potter was first blowing up. Um, I remember like the load times on one of the Chamber of Secrets games just to go outdoors being preventative. <laughs> um, so this really was the update modern era game that I would have wanted 10, 15 years ago for sure. I really love the way they just seamlessly opened the world and made it feel so rich and believable to your point, Andrew. Just it feels alive. Yeah, and I think one of the really exciting things to think about in terms of the future is that now that they've got the Wizarding World built, there could be a sequel one day that is based on the the map and the world that they already have. So mm. another game could come sooner rather than later. There's a DLC. No, yeah, there's no doubt a DLC is on the way. Yeah, that, that will I, come. Like, without a question, they're going to expand that map. Yeah, but they could also maybe just kind of do a more modern day Hogwarts game if they wanted. They'll have to update Hogwarts a bit. This game is set in the 1800s. I could see them updating the map to like a more modern day Hogwarts and do a sequel or maybe not exactly a sequel, but just using the existing world. And it might not take as long to develop. Like this one was in development for probably six, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. The next one could come in three three or four years, maybe. What's really cool is uh, the seasons change throughout the game. So yeah. all of the, every building, every tree, every blade of grass it, it has been textured for all four different seasons. So that's the coolest thing about the open world is if you fly somewhere, it's going to look totally different in winter than it did in summer. Um, and in, in the case of like, for instance, even the Great Hall being decorated, these are things that are like classic pumpkins, absolute, but. They had to do everything four times, uh, which is like impressive when you consider the size. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, no, they didn't. They didn't. Like you you have different seasons or wait, no, I can't swim. Can I? Can I really swim? Oh, dang, I can can, swim. (laughs) I can swim. And I guess for for anyone who hasn't uh, played or watched some videos, there's um, plenty of people playing on YouTube. Um, The game is not just Hogwarts and Hogsmeade. Uh, There's actually they built out an entire... um, Basically, all across, I guess, the Scottish Highlands, uh, these little what they call hamlets, tiny little towns, little villages. And it goes for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, It goes for quite a way um, that there is a surrounding community. Some are similarly named. There's Hogsfield, Upper Hogsfield, Lower Hogsfield. (laughs) And others will will blow you away. So I'm just shocked at, at how big they went, because I think trying to set a game in Hogwarts with the option of like Hogsmeade weekends would have also worked, but I'm glad they didn't do that because the, you can basically spend as much time away from Hogwarts or at Hogwarts as you want. And don't forget the Forbidden Forest. Yep. Also very expansive. A ton yeah. to do in there. So what's funny is that um, as a Skyrim player, like you're all surprised by by the seasons and, and the change. <laughs> but it's like Skyrim. 
like literally Skyrim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's shocking is like if you play a Bethesda game, you will experience this in those games as well. Yeah. This is the standard what to expect from modern gaming, essentially. It's like yeah, that's, the, that's what every modern yeah. game wants to or is expected to do. And I think we've been waiting so long for something like this that we continue to be blown away by the fact that they actually like are living up to expectations. Because sometimes, you know, like what happens with so many things in life, you put you set the bar so high, you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait. I can't wait. And then you play something or you experience something. You're like, Ugh. but with this, it's like, wow, OK, they really did like live up to what we were hoping for. So, yeah, I think the thing is, like, as an open world RPG, it's pretty standard right? Like Kevin is saying, but we've never received the standard from this franchise before. (laughs) So as a, like, you know, just as a gamer, this game is really good. But as a Harry Potter fan, it's great because it's what we've been waiting for for two decades. Yeah. I mean, we had some really creative early games in the sphere of Harry Potter gaming, but then it quickly devolved into the movie tie-in games, which were not even as good as some of those movies, uh, which is saying something. And, you know, besides the Lego game, maybe the Quidditch World Cup game, creativity was very lacking. And moments where that you really wanted to spend time and live uh, at Hogwarts were uh, very fleeting. Even the Lego games had to follow the plot of four of the movies. Um, So it was very limited to that. Whereas this being on its own, its own story feels like freedom. And that's exactly living the unwritten. Just to go back for one second to the point about, you know, we keep bringing up Skyrim and, and breath of the wild and sort of our surprise and just how amazing this world is. I, I think part of it though, is like, we don't necessarily have a personal connection to the Skyrim world or the breath of the wild world. And they're, Maybe some people do, and there are places that they want to go and things that they want to see. But I feel like for us, like you can literally walk into any shop in Hogsmeade. Like they spared no expense on this, right? You can go into Zonko's, you can go into the Three Broomsticks, and on and on and on it goes. And that's just one example. But I just feel like there's literally no place in this world that you can't go. Like it may take you some time to get there, you may need to be at a certain point in the game. But you will inevitably get the opportunity to explore pretty much everything that you've ever wanted to in in this world. And I think like that's just so cool. And that's why it's doing so well. That's and that's what we've wanted. We just wanted to explore the wizarding world, period. So let's talk more about what we're enjoying and then we will get to some criticisms. I I at least definitely have some. Uh, Let's start with the flying. So this is one you get, I don't know, maybe five to ten hours into the game this is one of those things where you do it for the first time. And like I had one of those I love magic moments. because <laughs> It's just really amazing being able to fly around Hogwarts and they kind of guide you around the castle the first time you fly. I think, Micah, you had a similar feeling the first time. Yeah, I mean, I really like flying on the broom. That's very cool. But when you get to fly on the hippogriff and you can use high wing to go pretty much anywhere, and as Eric was talking about earlier, it's probably worth uh, jumping on her to go all the way south unless you want to just transport yourself there. But I would recommend doing the ride. It's just so cool. And you see some of those landscape shots, those sunsets or those sunrises coming up over Hogwarts, depending on what season it is, and you're on the back of High Wing. It's just, it's just really cool. Yeah, plus one to that. I enjoyed that. I had a similar moment to you, Andrew. 
I love magic. I love magic. <laughs> See, now, now I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it's great. I haven't gotten that far yet. They also try to steer you into doing broom upgrades, and I'm like, I don't know. My broom seems fine. Like, I don't think I need anything more here. You <laughs> should just be like, my hippogriff is fine. <laughs> I haven't got my bird yet. Here's my first played further than you tip. Don't worry about the broom, up- broom upgrades. Um, that Get the first one, but after that, I don't really notice much of a change. Okay. And the later ones cost a lot more. Okay. They're expensive. I was going to say that. The first one's like a thousand coins, and it's like, I don't have that kind of money. The Dallions. next is four thousand. Yeah, or I call them monies. <laughs> just when it when the yeah, what, what pops up, is, I've heard them say canute at some point. Canute. Well, they talk about galleons, sigils, and canutes, but the money is not delineated in that way. Like oh, okay. when you get money, it's just the gold yeah, coins. I'm just I'm like just saying gold. Uh, okay. hmm. Can money, we do a money check in because I've seen some comments in this doc about people being concerned about money how much money do y'all have right now in hogwarts legacy not much because i spend it as soon as i save up a little bit here's my issue initially you need to gather these random bits of clothing around the wizarding world that you then sell or you keep ones that will upgrade your defense and offense and at least for me it was a little hard to to grasp the whole system at first and Here's one criticism that I think everybody has. You run out of storage slots very quickly unless you complete certain challenges. So it's frustrating. You need like a bigger backpack, so to speak. Um, But one thing I didn't realize is that there's these chests with these giant eyeballs on them. And each of those has 500 coins in it. However, I thought you couldn't open those till a lot later in the game. I didn't realize you just need to make yourself invisible, sneak up to it, and then you open it up and boom, there's 500. So once I heard that, shout out to... um. I've been chatting with MuggleCast listeners in the Discord. We have a video game channel. People have been talking about the game there. I learned that from them, and that was a game changer for me because once you can open those chests, and there's a lot of those, then you start making a lot of money. Yeah, that was how I got my initial... I just saw on YouTube, happened to pass by because I follow the the channel of the guy doing it named Raptor, and he had one. It's like, get 10,000 gold in the first 10 minutes of Hogwarts Legacy because like as soon as you have the invisibility charm... Uh, you can go do that. Um, yeah, those are the be- those are the best source of income. There's just not enough sources of income in the game. Money was a constant struggle for me. And everything you want to buy, like say a bigger potions table, which will help you uh, later on and when you need to stock up your potions, is like 3,000 monies. And that's <laughs> a lot considering you- But you only have to buy it once. You only have to buy it once, but- your clothing options, even the best clothing option, sells for 150 or 200 monies. So think that's like 60. I mean, I didn't done the math, but how many clothing options do you need to sell just to get a potion state? It's not balanced. Mm-hmm. And you're also saying goodbye to cool gear just to get a potions table. I do hate selling cool gear. That's bummed me out. Here's a tip. The gear is my favorite part of the game. I, I love accessorizing. I also love being because none of the other characters, all the other characters uh, are in their Hogwarts robes, so it's cool just like sliding all up into charms class and you're like wearing huge like newt glasses and uh, like a hoodie and a mask and all this other stuff. So that's that's been really fun. A lot of what you have gotten even discarded in the game as clothing, there's something called uh, gear appearance uh, options. Okay. And it's when you're in the gear menu and hit square over any particular thing, some of the items you've gotten rid of, you can actually change the appearance of your current gear to look like other gear that you've had. Uh, So 
it's I do, I have no idea why they did this because the gear slot thing is super frustrating. But but you do right, like the the whole purpose is to keep you playing. Yeah, they want to like put that carrot out and yeah. have you chase the carrot. But any one dungeon or any one uh, cave that you go into in the game can have five or six chests, which most of them have gear. And so you're constantly cycling through like I couldn't complete in order to get more gear slots. You need to do these Merlin challenges throwback because Merlin is a Slytherin or was a Slytherin. That's known from extended canon very much brought into this game to do the Merlin challenges like I didn't have enough ability to do enough of those because I didn't have enough spells unlocked. It was just a constant struggle to have to shed my gear because I couldn't get more gear slots. It was very See, annoying. And that feature that you're describing, Eric, I don't maybe I just missed it, but I feel like they need to do a better job of telling you about that because Hufflepuff Teach is bringing that up in our discord now as well. And even like after hearing about that a couple of weeks ago, because Pat mentioned that to me, too, I don't know where to activate that in the game. Yeah, it's, so it needs to be more readily apparent. I just hope they don't add like a a buy buy option. Oh, like in game like, yeah. purchases. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's just like that diminishes a game. It it does. I want to go yeah. back to money though, y'all. I'm basically a Weasley. I feel like you're doing it wrong. Wait, well, how am I doing it wrong? Because okay, I constantly have eight to ten thousand gold. All the time. Whoa. I am not struggling with this. Are you running a beast trading ring? Like a No, <laughs> not at all. So what you do. You've gone down the dark path, haven't you? Is you got to get that disillusionment charm like Andrew was talking about. Get into the eyeball uh, little little crates. Chess. Also, when you're completing side missions, you got to ask people to pay you. You can do that. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting <laughs> to do that. I could never. Why? I could never. No. Because you're doing something out of the goodness of your heart. I'm not. You're doing an adventure. <laughs> Lori's there for the monies. There is always an option to say, I have this thing for you that you've asked me to find, but I will give it to you for a price. Or in some cases, it says, I think I'll keep it, actually. You're just like, oh. Yeah, that's really mean. But no, you ask them for money and they'll be like, okay, here's 500 gold. Easy. Oh, that's a lot. I didn't expect that much. <laughs> Andrew's like, I just changed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always tapping through the menu so fast that I accidentally avoid collecting money. To that point, I think it was last night, um, I did a side mission. And when I got back and I brought the thing, I, I, I demanded some money and they actually paid. It was like 300 or 500 gold coins. So it does work. It, it's It's... A tough practice to take, I guess, if you have a bit of morality, Eric, but it is just a video game at the end of the day. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. So I, no. I haven't played enough of the game to to feel this out, but does the response of the character that you're interacting with change because of the money you requested? Because I mean, in Skyrim, what would, would happen is that like you have like some sort of reputation and that reputation is on a scale and you don't see the scale, but your reputation fluctuates based on the responses you give to individual NPCs, uh, non-playable characters. The short answer is no. No. Okay. So yeah. there's no reputation. It, right. in, in the moment, you'll get a character like respond negatively to that or like, oh, my feelings are hurt. And you can you can hurt some feelings in this game. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it ultimately doesn't change anything. Yeah, my guy we'll was get totally to that cool with criticisms. With he was like, I, I understand. <laughs> I was like, okay, I should have asked for more. <laughs> <laughs>
moving along here, the rumor requirement. Oh I'm sure God. this has been a surprise for everybody. Like I was not expecting like Animal Crossing level customization in the room of requirement basically building your own little house <laughs> it's like the sims yeah great game you can choose furniture and portrait yeah the room of requirement uh for those who don't know in this game is used as a as a hub where you can brew potions away from prying eyes you can also uh eventually bring beasts into there into their own little almost newt's commander suitcase kind of a thing um, and they have various environments and you can change the environment. You can change the layout, the design. It's an entire game in and of itself, essentially. Yeah. I love going in there and taking care of my beasts and you can breed them too. Well, you can, you can brush them. You yeah. can conjure them. a brush and brush them and then they purr. I was seeing in our discord, you can breed them and sell them for money. So maybe yeah. Laura, that's another reason why you've got but a lot of coins. Only yes. 120 money. It's not way, it's not worth the 30 minutes that it takes to breed these things. If you're only going to get 120 gold. I mean, what you do is you set them to breed and then you go do something else. You go. You don't have to watch them. No, you don't have to be in the. <laughs> Wouldn't that be kind of weird to be like? I'm gonna sit here and watch my festrals get it on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Laura has a breeding factory. Is this happening? I've wasted so much time just like petting the measles while my unicorn is getting. Oh man! Because the thing is, like, you eventually run out of space in your vivariums, and you have no choice but to sell excess species. And there is a shop in Hogsmeade that you can sell them to that is, you know, allegedly reputable. Um, so I think you're led to believe that the animals will come to no harm by being sold there. So you're the capitalist. Yeah. You kind of have to be. <laughs> Essentially, the whole beast angle, which is really cool and very much taking in from Fantastic Beasts, like the whole beast angle in the game is very much due, owes it to that, to those movies. Um, and Newt's mission. You're fighting against poachers the whole game. Uh, the greater surrounding Hogwarts area uh, is at risk. All the beasts are at risk from poachers. So when you catch a beast uh, in the wild, it says you have rescued a Nizzle. You have rescued, you know, no matter what. It's like you can do no wrong. Your character is uh, providing a home and protection. And that's such a neat way to swing the fact that you're taking these beasts from their natural environment. But you could imagine the audience is likely, they're they're applying to the audience, right? Um it, like my nephews are likely playing this game and yeah. you don't want, you know, like it's a, a child playing this game. You don't want to be involving a moral like scare them. Correct. Yeah. 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 But it's very much, again, that element feels more like Pokemon. Um, you have to maybe use a freeze charm to get some of them to slow down a little bit while you catch them in your it's, knapsack. It's to your point. It's very much a nod to the Fantastic Beast franchise and yeah. being able to incorporate that into this game in a way that's actually a lot of fun. I think we all enjoy Pokemon. We all enjoy going out and trying to catch all these different creatures and the fact that, that we can bring them back home with us and breed them, I guess, and sell them, <laughs> but... MuggleCast episode 600, Laura's Breeding Factory. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, for that title. I, I, don't, wow. I don't know if we want to make that the title. That yeah, might, yeah, no, no, that, that might that, create that, some nope. perceptions. Wow. From Laura's Pants to Laura's Breeding Factory. Patreon-only oh title. Laura's do you remember that episode, <laughs> Kevin, Laura's Pants? I do remember that episode vividly. It gets brought up all the time. So you're not hurting for monies, Laura? No, not at no. all. No. She's got a breeding factory. <laughs> I agonize over every large purchase I make 
it's been a real i'm fine now but it's it's a pain can i ask uh, a legit question can you not sell ingredients or or things that you pick up a lot i wish you could it doesn't seem like you can i have so much of that stuff like i would i would make bank if i could sell like some of that fur or in fury all the beast products allow you to upgrade some of the gear that you're still holding on to but yeah, um, just still on the realm of things I love. Uh, honestly, there are so many characters in this game that aren't from the books. There are a few that are, of course. Um, namely, we talked about Headmaster Phineas Nigelis Black, although he's not really in the game so much. Yeah, I've noticed that too. In fact, instead, uh, your classmates that you meet along the way and the other professors that are teaching you these spells are so unique and different and yet feel that they fit in this world. Uh, That's something that I think is a huge plus. A lot of times characters, especially NPCs, can feel flat uh, or like maybe you have one or two good scenes with them, but there's entire relationship trees that that go like basically the end of your relationship line is like five six seven episodes with each of these different students that you can find um and that's way different and you really get to learn about them as a person and they're interacting with you and it's like it's like having friends at hogwarts it really is well done the the other thing i was going to say is that just out of the gate starting the game um it's an impressive story right like the ancient magic Mm -hmm line it's cool like it it makes you realize like wow i'm not as creative as the people who wrote this story (laughs) like you're you're doing very well yeah talk about combat laura yeah Yeah. i wanted to call this out and it's a little bit of um a double-edged sword so i'm going to start here with what i like about it and i do have a little bit of a criticism that comes later when we get into things that we don't like as much i think overall the combat is super fun Um, I've really been enjoying unlocking spells, leveling up my spells, um, going around in search of fights, to be honest with you, to level my character up. What a baddie. Breeding factory and a gangster. Laura's Laura's character is in like a a leather jacket. She's like a greaser, like, come pay your money to me. Actually, I am wearing like a dragon hide jacket at this point in the game. But (laughs) don't mess with Laura. It makes you it makes you be very creative, right? Depending on the types of level ups that you choose for your spells, depending on if you're paying attention to the enemy guides. So if you go into your inventory, there are enemy guides for all of the different types of wizards, goblins, creatures that you'll run across that will specifically tell you which spells are most effective against them. So it allows you to be really, really strategic. And I have found that element of the game to be really, really fun. The combat is really cool. We were cautiously optimistic about it, I think, going into the game because spell work in previous Harry Potter games, it was always just like, meh. But this is like really good, really fluid. Switching spells can be a challenge. There's a lot of spells they give you and some of them seem redundant. I don't know if they needed to give us all these spells. On the other hand, we might be complaining if they didn't give us enough. So maybe it was a tough situation for them to be in. Um, Because I find myself kind of getting stuck switching between spell sets that you can customize and then having to load back in spells to the various sets that you have. It's just, it's, it's a little wonky. I don't love it. But when you do get into battle with somebody and you have your four that you like and you 
go through these combos, it's really satisfying. Li- dragging somebody towards you, throwing them up in the air, throwing like three spells at them, um, setting them on fire. It's like, <laughs> it sounds violent, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Well, if it's any anything like Skyrim, it should be a bottomless bucket. You should always have something to do and achieve. Yeah. So spells seems like a natural way of assuring that. Let's get a little more critical now. What we don't like about the game. Maybe this reveals itself later in the game. I'm not sure. I don't I want anybody to tell me, Eric. We don't know early on why our character is joining Hogwarts so late. We just know that they can wield ancient magic and the ancient magic stuff, especially early on in the game. It's really cool. It's really trippy and original. I was very blown away by how they kicked off the game. But the whole late blooming wizard angle was one of the earliest things we had heard about this game. And we were really intrigued by that. Like, oh, late blooming, that's a refreshing take on Harry Potter. Instead of going through the, you know, you're a wizard, Andrew Scorbis, at 11 years old, and you start off as a kid, you're starting off as more of an adult in this game. But we don't know why. Is that addressed? I think that why they did it, and I do agree, like from a Harry Potter book fan standpoint, oh, a late blooming wizard, how exciting. But they don't really go into who your character was the first 14 years of their life. Like there's not, you know, your parents not going to write you an owl. It's like you are a blank slate. And the reason they make you a fifth year is just because that's probably the youngest they can possibly make you for a game where you're fighting adult wizards, dark wizards and trolls Mm. and goblins and doing the kinds of things that you have to do in the combat in this game. It wouldn't make sense for an 11 year old to do it. And I I get the feeling that that's exactly why you're a fifth year is because they have you facing off against. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it allows allows them to accelerate the story without having you go through the years. Right. You're then your character would age and they've just removed all of that because 15 is like, okay, you're you're old enough. You could reasonably survive a goblin. My character looks like he's in his early 20s, honestly, not 15. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they do look older. Well, that's that's the movie adaptation version. (laughs) Some of the dialogue as you walk around is very, very repetitive. I don't know if this is a bug. Maybe they needed to record a lot more. They need to get everybody back into the studio and record like 30 new lines each. Um, You hear the same comments over and over again as you enter Hogsmeade, for example. Um, The flu network lady is saying the same two things. It's like, why? They need to release an update where those are being heard less. That's pretty common in Skyrim. It, not to keep bringing it back to Skyrim, but the, the, I'm all excited for our Skyrim, Skyrim review, review episode. <laughs> no, yeah, no, but it, it really is, and it, what what it is is just it's too expansive. Yeah. So what ends up happening is the world is too large, and they'd have to record thousands of audio clips for it to to actually be immersive enough for you to feel like they're not repeating themselves. But, but can, can we just hear the Hogsmeade and, and I almost said Skyrim, Hogsmeade and <laughs> Flu Network Lady stuff less? Like, and that's fair. Reduce yeah. how often yep. we hear that. Yeah. The, with the Flu Network, that's a hundred, you're going to use that function so much. So that's, a, that's like the number one pain point where if you don't, if you get tired of hearing her three lines, I love the idea that like Ignatia Wildsmith who invented Flu Powder who, by the way, is like a little statue you go up to to use the flu network, a.k.a. fast travel in this game, is so vain that she just keeps bragging about her invention. Uh, I like that as like a character moment. Okay. Uh, yeah, she says a way to look like, at it. 
yeah, like you won't believe how inconvenient travel was before I invented flu powder. But when you hear it after the 300th time, you're like, okay, okay, we, yeah. we like, thank you. Just going to use your network. Okay. So something that I want to address that's kind of like the other side of the coin from my um, complimentary take on the combat. It's something that both Kevin and Eric touched on a little early. The lack of like karma slash morality system in this game feels like a miss. It's probably pretty clear from how I've been talking about it. I've been definitely playing as a vigilante and (laughs) there just don't seem to be any repercussions, good or bad, for the choices that you make in the game, including the use of unforgivable curses. Um, There really aren't any downsides to using them. Um, I have straight up used Crucio in front of characters who you would think would be anti-use of unforgivable curses, and they don't say a damn thing. (laughs) They don't say anything. Does that embolden you to continue to be the badass witch you are? (laughs) Uh, No. So I, the thing is, the second you whip out an unforgivable curse, the combat becomes a lot less interesting, I think, because it, it kind of it nerfs everybody else, right? So Mm. I feel like there needs to be something to create a cost here. Like, they're unforgivable curses. A reputation. Yeah, Yeah. horrors should be descending on you when you're using unforgivable curses. You should have to flee and you should have to fight horrors in addition to the other people that you're fighting. There needs to be more of a cost. There needs to be more weight to using them. An even more simple system would be Use unforgivable curses. You're really powerful, but none of the characters want to help you and you have to go it alone. Or you go the good path. You're not as powerful, but you get more help from other characters. That would make a lot more sense to me. Here's the thing for me. Uh, There seems to have been or seems to be some remnants of maybe they almost did that or maybe they went a little further in doing that. Some of your uh, talents, which allow you to upgrade skills uh, or spells, allow you to use like Expelliarmus and Arresto Momentum as if it were an unforgivable curse by way of saying they just, your character is, your your victim is cursed. Uh, Your target is cursed after doing that. So you have an alternate option if you don't want to use the unforgivable curse. You also have an option not to learn the unforgivable curses. Each time one comes up is in a big story moment, it gives you a choice whether you want to learn it or whether you want to see it be used because the story, like the story treats them with this weight and the game allows you a presumed alternative, but they don't go so far as to saying you can't use the spell. The only thing that stopped. Yeah. And I I wonder if this is not just a, um, it's like a, I don't know, hit against the audience, uh, which is they're trying to apply this game to a broad, very broad Mm. audience. Um, mm. Skyrim, you would never play as a child, right? Um, yeah. It, because it's it's too mature of a game. And as a result, um, they're kind of creating this broad swath of, I don't know, 11-year-olds to 40-year-olds that are playing this game. And as a result, they don't want to introduce these concepts that um, might be complicated for a younger audience. I mean... I did learn Crucio as part of the gameplay, and but when I used it, I quickly stopped using it. And the reason is I used it against this big old guy who's like real tall, like six foot six wizard. And when you use it, it does like a thunderclap and he gets all um, subdued. 
and actually has time to say, what have you done? What are you doing? And he's suffering. And you're just like, oh my God, what have I done? Oh, whatever. I love killing people. Yeah, you can can transfigure enemies into barrels and then blow them up with Confringo. You're killing them when you do that. They don't ask you, what are you doing to me? What's her address, Andrew? Where we might call the cops. (laughs) If if anybody ever wants to get something out of Eric, just be like, what are you doing to me? And he'll be like, oh gosh, I can't handle this. (laughs) Absolutely no. That deterred me more than any game storyline mission character dialogue could deter me like it made me think what am i doing i'm using an unforgivable that's brutal yeah that's really brutal it does bring up interesting questions about those spells and the wizarding world and the repercussions and that's what i'm talking about so like it's your own choice to be using those spells or not i do like that the game kind of vaguely put in an alternative but you mostly need to learn it because the character that's that you're doing it in front of is going to be like a major person that influences the story. I would say too, um, combat can seem repetitive, not just yeah. because I'm using the same spells that aren't the unforgivables, uh, but it's it's really like I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a cave and there's a troll and I sigh, not because I ever feel like I'm in danger, but just because trolls take more hits to get to get past like i want to move the story along i want to get past here is a troll oh god i'm going to be throwing so many barrels now it's like it would be different if there were um again like certain specific ways in which you could intelligently and sneakily get dispatch these faster but no it's basically just you know mashing buttons until you get them down i guess you so can maybe it, use some potions to help you kill yeah, it, kill them faster some that's one area that plants. i haven't explored i have a full set of like the there's a maximum potion a focus potion and an endurance which is your defense but um but yeah i haven't yet experimented with using too many of like the plant uh assistance maybe that will diversify the battle option for me but mostly i just go in and i'm They're like fun. you know spell and i'm like oh. and also you know between you know between cooldowns on like your spell set if you're just hitting them repeatedly with your r2 um it levels up your ancient magic meter so that you get ancient magic sooner and you can take them down a peg sooner and you're not stuck in that battle as long. I really like the Pikachu Thunderbolt you can do with the ancient magic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> now every time I do that, I'm going to be Pikachu. <laughs> I think we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when talking about finding crates and things when you're working on a mission. Like if you uh, take down a really big um, cave of goblins, for example, where you're extremely outnumbered and you have to like navigate your way through way through to the very end. And there's this really promising crate waiting for you and you'll open it up and it's like gloves. (laughs) Sometimes that can seem a little random. So it'll feel like you work really hard to get through something, but then the reward at the end sometimes isn't substantial yeah i did i did did call them unbeatable quidditch gloves so i was very excited (laughs) but it turned out my current gloves were better so i didn't i was surprised clothing and accessories were such a big part of the game and in terms of like opening chests and stuff not the most exciting thing but there is other stuff to collect i'd prefer those things that you can get for like the rumor requirement or uh just more monies yeah and and laura that's presuming your gear slots aren't full 
Yeah. When you get to the end of the- uh, You gotta you gotta get through those Merlin trials. Yeah, which that kind of goes into, are we ready to move to the things that make us smile? Yeah. Or Micah, did you want to mention the controls? Yeah, just one thing on my end, and this could just be a PS5 thing, and I'm using a, a wireless controller, um, but I find the controls to be a little wonky sometimes, and it's not because I casted a spell and- you know, it's restoring itself. It's literally, I'm pressing the button to cast a normal like spell and it's not going through. So I don't know if it's a wireless thing or what the issue is, but. It's a fair question. What platforms are everyone playing on? PS5. I'm playing on PC. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All of us are on PS5 except for Kevin. Um, And the, the reason I mentioned that is that like when I played on PC, it very much felt like a sandboxed version of an Xbox game. Oh. Um, so they probably did some sort of multi-platform translation layer, for lack of a better description. Um, and that type of thing tends to lead to this, which is you have control issues or the controls differ from Xbox to PlayStation to PC. Mm. Some of my, so you can control which slot goes into like push circle in R2, push square in R2, all that stuff. Um, and I have seen it fire without me asking it to sometimes. I'm in combat, so I don't necessarily care, but I have like accidentally sent the wrong spell or something. I'm like, damn, now I need to wait for that to cool down. Um, yeah. I was only preparing to use that after this one. So I have seen the buttons get a little wonky. And again, my my biggest hang up is switching spell sets that you can customize. Yeah, like, that's yeah, that's tough. And if you got to add, if you got to put in a new spell to one of your sets during combat, that's been really tough for me to do. I know it pauses when you bring up the full spell menu, but still it's, I don't know, something's not fluid about it. I think you'll get used to it. Yeah, it's just like the normal R2 there no no combination needed. You just tap R2 and it it fires your normal spell. The but normal like basic, sometimes when yeah. I hit R2, it won't fire it. And I don't know why. Because you have to press it all the way down. Is that I think Maybe I know what you're it. talking about. This other point that got brought up by the uh the half blood house elf in our Discord, my issue is in combat it focuses on someone way far away when I'm trying to hit somebody right in front of me. I've had that problem oh, too. Oh yeah. You can turn that off if you want, but it mm-hmm. is just easier for it to auto highlight, I think. I just like to use R3 to select whichever enemy is closest to me. And it keeps your oh, yeah, camera like focused. Yeah, it keeps your. It locks on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's useful. Little things that make us smile as we get towards the end of our review here. Quick shout out to diversity. There is, I was thinking about this as I was preparing to talk about it, but there is more diversity in 15 minutes of cutscenes in this game than there are in all the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Combined. Combined. There is so much diversity. Your characters that you meet around Hogwarts have been at Wagadu. One of your teachers has uh, studied at Mahatakuru. They talk about it. This is all brought into the wider world and the world feels bigger for it and, and better for it. The fact that you are part of a whole that Hogwarts isn't just everything. Your characters are from everywhere. They look like everything. This is so important. Like, yeah, for every every reason. Yeah, there's a trans person in the game. There's a lesbian woman in the game who mentions being married to another woman. Um, yeah, 1800s Hogwarts is more diverse than <laughs> the 1990s Hogwarts. Yeah, <laughs> and anything we've ever seen before. Yeah, but you know, shout out to the creators for they set out with an intention to make the game more diverse than the Core Seven books. There's a blind character. There's a blind uh, character. As well. Yeah, a yeah. gaunt mm-hmm. is blind. Yeah, 
I don't want to spoil this. I'll just say there's a very cool Thestrals moment early on in the game. And I think that, again, speaks to that real fans are working on this game. Mm-hmm. Mm. I heard this line, again, fans working on the game. It was something to the effect of one student says, of course, you could use Akio on a human. And then another student replies, well, you'd be using it on clothing. You know, you can't actually use Akio on humans. I thought that was great because there's been a lot of debate about (laughs) what you can Akio amongst fans. So it just rips their clothes off? Is that what happens? (laughs) No, it uses the clothes to pull them towards you if you're Akioing them. I thought that was a thoughtful line to include. Yeah, those conversations, it's so rich with that, and that's everything. Like they, This game, because it has been made after Pottermore and all of the extended writings and all of the other world buildings, uh, things that we've seen, incorporates them all. There are things like the other Wizarding Schools is just one example where now, okay, so we know this about it, but let's have characters talk about what it was like there. Let's have characters mention it. Um, Merlin being a Slytherin, which was just an old JK Rowling web chat answer, I think, is canon in the game. They talk about his Slytherin roots and how he set you these challenges because he's very ambitious and trying to call less accomplished magicians. All this amazing stuff that is all worked in, coupled with when you're walking around Hogwarts, there are things you wouldn't expect. There's a tapestry of Barnabas the Barmy. There's, um, you know, Barufio. There's paintings, portraits, uh, statues that are all these little references that you're like, of course that would be there. But what does it actually look like? It's amazing to see how far they've pulled from little, little teeny corners Mm -hmm. um, and put it into this game. And that's very satisfying. Not to mention areas that you think should be there, like the first floor bathroom, where we know is the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets. You can go visit it. And there's a page of your field guide, which we haven't talked about yet, but it's um, kind of like your Pokedex. Kind of like your Pokedex. I haven't been there yet. When you go there, something happens. It's really neat. And I think on that note, there are some significant opportunities for DLC. Like we've already talked about Chamber of Secrets being a big one. You know, there's what Eric just referenced, but there's another pretty strong reference to the Chamber of Secrets that I won't spoil here. Um, Obviously, Quidditch, it gets mentioned multiple times throughout the game that Quidditch has been canceled this year. Feels like that's probably the next thing we're going to get. As others have mentioned, other wizarding schools. And then I think there could even be an opportunity to expand on what you're doing with beasts in this game. Um, I've really actually been pleasantly surprised by how that's been done and i would like to see more of it i still want there to be a separate quidditch game in the line of like quidditch world cup which we've brought up on the show before however i am now convinced there will be a quidditch dlc because they keep mentioning quidditch in the game it's not like (laughs) they're brushing it under the rug and hoping people forget about quidditch it's addressed in the start of term uh speech from the headmaster it's brought up a couple more times like i think they want us to think about it so that one day we are excited when they announce a quidditch dlc the quidditch pitch is there you can visit it there are some activities to do around it but yeah you can't actually play a game of quidditch so so i previously thought "Eh, maybe they will maybe they won't but now because they keep reminding us about quidditch i think they're going to do a quidditch dlc yeah i i think that's definitely coming and I, I just want to know, can I fly on the hippogriff instead of the broom? Because I find it easier to fly <laughs> it on the hippogriff easier. than it is to fly oh, on the broom. Oh, is it? I, that's just me. 
Here's one more complaint. You look yeah. stiff on the broom. It, it doesn't mm. look natural to me. They could have worked mm. a little more on that, I think. And the ghosts that fly around the school, too, sometimes they're just like stagnant. Like, yeah, they're floating, but they're not like moving. Their bodies aren't moving. And Laura, to your point about the the Chamber of Secrets, there's de- there's definitely uh, a very cool reference that's made at one point in the game. And I th- there's a letter that you find that references what's inside of the chamber. Um, so not to spoil anything too much, but I do think they're moving potentially in that direction. So I actually, when I went through that, I didn't know, oh, is the Chamber of Secrets going to be something that you get to later on in the game? But it doesn't seem like um, that's the case. Uh, and then for me, yeah, I love seeing Peeves just kind of flying around, being up to his normal antics, like sliding down banisters and causing problems for you. Uh, and then the secret passageways, right? Like th- when we talk about them really doing everything, they did everything. And I'll just use the example of the one-eyed witch secret passageway that goes into Honeydukes. It's not just you like press a button and you go from being at the one-eyed witch into Honeydukes. Like you actually have to go through the process of getting from point A to point B. And it's not that easy, honestly. Like they they really <laughs> they make you work for it. But mm-hmm. um there's a lot of like those little like secret um areas that are are so fun to explore. After Putting many hours in this game, I still find new secret passageways. I uh, froze a fireplace and you can crawl through in one of the offices. Um, it's really, really cool. Leads to this whole area you didn't expect. There's um, one of the bathroom stalls. If you go through it, there's actually like a boiler uh, room, tiny little boiler room with a chest. There's just so many unique. I think I saw that. Yeah. Cool things. And you just go like some some areas you just go up and up and up stairwells and it's like, I can't believe they built all this out. Like, there's so much. Yeah, the clock tower, which the clock tower was added to the movies for no reason other than to be an aesthetic thing. But this game had to figure out, okay, how would that work? How does that actually, like, structurally, how does the clock tower do it? And they had to build it because you have to be able to walk around and climb and it. And the boathouse, they they kept that. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, the underground lake is a thing. The harbor, I mean, the underground harbor. Uh, where the first year's dock, you can get there. And not to mention your common rooms. I'm surprised we actually didn't talk about the common rooms before, but as a thing that makes me very happy, um, the Hufflepuff common room. And it's basically like the doors are all Hobbit doors. They're all circular and they actually look quite similar. The only thing I'll say about as far as criticism regarding this, you can't sit down on the couch and just like exist in your common room. Yeah, it does seem. Yeah, you can't seem to sit anywhere. Actually, <laughs> there's just no opportunity. Like for a game that's sent out in advance, ASMR videos of just experience the wizarding right. world in winter. You should be able to just take a seat. Lots of games have right. this where you just take a seat and then things happen around you or behind you. And it's this whole thing that doesn't exist in this game. And in fact, Maybe it's because everyone's a different house when you play that you could like choose your own, but n- absolutely nothing happens in your common room. Yeah. There's no. just nothing to do. Well, you meet a few students at first, but you never go back there. You don't even like end the day there. The only thing that's there is your owl who can read you the letters, but you can do that from the pause menu. The other cool thing I like that you can do, you made me think of this is like when you're walking around, like you can you know, chug a butter beer or you can eat an apple. And and actually it made me think about, I was in a certain place. I won't say where I was. 
and my character picked up the butter beer and drank it. I'm like, dude, this has probably been sitting here for a couple hundred years. I had the same thought. I'm surprised he didn't like keel over and I had to start from uh, the beginning or something. Skyrim, you died. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I've seen, so I'm a Ravenclaw. I've seen the Slytherin common room because my boyfriend is a Slytherin. So I've been watching him play. Slytherin common room, way cooler. Coolest common room, I think, in the game. Yeah, it is. I'm a little jealous. I uh, I mean, Hufflepuff's is very good. I don't think I would like Gryffindor or Ravenclaw's as much, but I was flying around the other day outside the castle, and I came upon, first of all, the exterior of where the Hufflepuff common room is. It was awesome. It's just like some garden above it. Um, but then I flew up a waterfall, and I found what must be the Slytherin common room, the long windows that go underwater, but I can't see them from the other side because I can't get into the common oh. room. Oh. There should have been... I was so excited. To, to have found sort of the the exit, like the outside part of the Slytherin common room. But there really should have been a mission or yeah. some way of gaining access to the other common rooms. Yeah, Even if your fans want that for sure. Well, like, and you're friends with people from each house. There are relationship uh, goals and missions that allow you to become good enough friends with a Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, a Ravenclaw, Slytherin that you should be invited up even mm -hmm. just to hang out during the day so that you can see all the, like, why not make the most out of this game and yeah. limit you? But maybe that's the authentic Hogwarts experience. Well, Eric, here's the Ravenclaw common room right behind me. So <laughs> yeah, now you've seen it. Oh, just go on YouTube. There we go. <laughs> Are y'all on uh, Hogwarts Legacy TikTok? Because that is no. the headcanon of Hogwarts Legacy TikTok is that oh. Slytherin throws like all the bangers and Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw are invited, but Gryffindor is not invited to any of those parties. So that is like the 2023 headcanon of relationships between the houses. We've spent plenty of time in the Gryffindor common room. We don't need yeah. to spend more time with them. We're over it. <laughs> Final thoughts. I think we're all blown away by the game. The one thing I do want to address still is people who normally don't play video games, should you get a whole video game system for this that's a complicated question i think you should wait for maybe one of the cheaper systems like playstation 4 or xbox s and or sorry xbox 360 i can't keep track xbox one that's what i'm thinking of um or nintendo switch, switch. Yep. it's going to look the best on playstation 5 and xbox series s and x and pc but i don't think you want to buy a whole system for this but i do understand why people want to maybe buy a system just for this game because you do get to explore Hogwarts, which is what people have wanted. So I'm a little torn on this, but I'd say wait. I think that's my short answer. Wait for a cheaper console. We heard from our Slug Club members that are waiting for it on Switch. If you have a Switch, that's like fine. That'll be out in July. July. Yeah, You can survive the wait. Or just watch it's on YouTube. <laughs> but I will say, and this is, this is a moment where I want to call attention to, I got the game a week after it came out and I bought it used. And that was because the game, people play them and then they sell them right back to the store uh, for store credit. And this 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 was so reliable that I only had to wait five or six days and I got a used copy of the game. I would I would tell everyone, wait the extra six days um, because that way no money directly funnels any negative causes um, unless GameStop is toxic. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't looked too deeply into it. They are. <laughs> oh god sorry sorry Man. to break the news but... what have i done the cast crucio what have i done <laughs> anyway but if you can 
try and procure the game used is my highest recommendation. I think we also learned in our slug club meeting that, you know, if you're not really a gamer, you haven't had a ton of experience with games like this, it can be a little bit intimidating because of all the controls and options. There is a story mode where you can mainly focus on the story of the game and not so much on the mechanics. So it is very accessible depending on your level of comfort with gaming. All right. Well, those are our thoughts on Hogwarts Legacy for now. If you have any feedback about anything we've shared today, if you want to share your thoughts on Hogwarts Legacy, you can email MuggleCast at gmail.com or you can use the contact form on MuggleCast.com. You can also send a voice message. Just record it using the voice memo app on your phone and then email us that file. Or you can use our phone number, which is one nine two zero three muggle That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. And next week's episode will be a Muggle Mail episode. So we'll get to some of that Hogwarts legacy feedback as we start our next 600 episodes of MuggleCast. <laughs> we'll also wrap up our reread of Chamber of Secrets a little bit uh, in part by deciding which seven word summary we are going to redo from Chamber of Secrets. So no quiz this week. We'll get back to it next week. Kevin, it's been so great having you on today. Thanks so much it's for coming back. It's been fun, yeah. It, yeah. It's a throwback for sure. Yeah. yeah. So good to hang out with you again. After all this time, we can still connect, which is really nice. I hate you all, as you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let, let's insert some drama. Like, <laughs> We're paying him some substantial amount to come on and, and not badmouth us. Kevin won't be back for another 600 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> another, yeah, yeah. We'll have to tell him the show's ending again. <laughs> This episode was quite an ad for Skyrim in the end. Right. <laughs> Gotta play. Kevin Is there more Skyrim than one podcast? No, well, I mean, Skyrim has multiple DLCs at this point. Um, it is an endless game. So I would recommend not going into Skyrim because you will waste your life in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> couple of reminders before we wrap up the show. There's much more MuggleCast waiting for everybody on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash MuggleCast. We're about to record and release a new bonus MuggleCast installment. A little delayed, but that's okay. It's going to be a Valentine's Day. Let's call it a romance-themed bonus MuggleCast. We're going to share some new dirty Harry Potter pickup lines, and we're going to be reading a sample of a fan fiction that Micah selected for us to narrate. I also selected the pickup lines. And the pickup lines. So you all know what to expect from Micah. And we'll also touch on what is one couple we would have loved to have seen as canon in the Potter series. So we're doing two bonus MuggleCast installments per month now. Again, that's patreon.com slash MuggleCast. That's where you can support us. We would not be at 600 episodes without the support of our patrons and those who subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and those who come through with uh, supporting our advertisers. And uh, thanks also to everybody who tells a friend about the show. And of course, everybody who listens to the show, no matter how you support us, we really appreciate it. And that does it for this week's episode of MuggleCast. Happy 600. Thanks, everybody, for listening. After all this time, <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I'm Laura. And I'm Kevin. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.